and welcome to Girl Mode. This is episode 25, Robin. You were so <laughs> Happy close. Happy 25th to that episode. You're taking my I place know. this episode. <laughs> I'm one of your hosts, Willa Rowe. And I'm your other host, Robin B. I feel so happy that this is our 25th episode. Wow. I realized like right before we started and I was like, oh my God, this is, this is something to celebrate. Is it? Yeah. So I didn't do anything to celebrate, but I just said, I would just say, this is something to be celebrated. Yeah. Is it just because 25 is like an appealing number? Yeah. All right. Yeah. It's, 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 it's a nice number. People like the number. You celebrate at 25, at yeah. 50, 100. Yeah. What are we going to do? We're just start actually planning, uh, take a break from the podcast right now and start planning our 100th episode. That could be the episode. What should we do? Episode 25, planning the 100th episode. Yeah, this is just a business meeting. I hope everybody enjoys it. Mm-hmm. Also this week was the Mario movie came out, which I like that I've seen it and you haven't because I just get to tell you my thoughts on it and you don't have any point of reference except to just be like, I'm just going to accept what Willa says. Mm -hmm. Hopefully, hopefully you'll just take my word. Yeah, that's a lot of our conversations. Just me kind of bumbling along and taking your word for things. (laughs) That's both of us in any given situation. We just switch off. But today it's your turn. So tell Mm -hmm. me about how much you loved the Mario movie. That's fine. It's not great. I don't love it. Um, See you next week. I think it's (laughs) short and sweet for 25. Um, (laughs) I think it's like it's on par with all of Illumination's other stuff. Which is to say pretty mid. Uh, All the Despicable Me movies, the Minions movie, Secret Life of Pets, Sing. They don't have a good track record. Okay. The first Despicable Me is is like a good kids movie. But (laughs) after that, they're not not great. (laughs) The movie itself is like on par with all the rest of their movies, which is to say a pretty mid kids movie. It's a movie just strung together by references and Easter eggs. Which makes sense. Uh, that was yeah, like the entire marketing campaign. I know. Really, if you watch the trailer, you didn't miss much. I'll be honest. Except the one thing I will say, and it shouldn't be surprising, is that the best part of this movie is Jack Black as Bowser. Which is something all you also could have picked up from the trailers. Truly. It's fantastic. And the thing that I love about it is... I guess spoilers to anybody who doesn't want to know like anything about the movie because I'm going to talk Mario about lore. shit. <laughs> yeah, um, but Jack Black plays Bowser as basically like the whole reason he does anything is basically because Bowser is a simp. He just wants <laughs> to be with Peach. Like he steals the superstar and he like gives us there's this great moment. He gives this big speech to like all the army of Koopas and stuff. And he's like, I stole this and we're going to go invade the Mushroom Kingdom. And it's because... I can then propose to Princess Peach. Oh, he's a wife guy. Because I just want her to love me. He's a wife guy. And then in in the best the best scene in the movie, they give Jack Black a song and he just does like a piano solo and sings a love ballad to Princess Peach. Nice. It's incredible. Yeah. I feel like if you have Jack Black on your project, it's like a legal requirement that you get to him give to sing him a song. Something. He's yeah. very good at that it turns out. Mm-hmm. Also the also the only part of Psychonauts 2 that I like. <laughs> Extremely hot take. <laughs> Just a dig at Psychonauts 2. For no reason. <laughs> yeah. Um, besides that, there's just so many weird things. So many stupidly joyous moments. 
I'll point out some other ones. Yeah, All yeah, of them musical-related. The other moment I liked is there's a great use of the Beastie Boys song, No Sleep Till Brooklyn. They do a a section where they're like running through Brooklyn because oh, they're, you sure, know, they're sure, just sure. they're just Italian Americans who grew up in Brooklyn. <laughs> um, the best borough of New York. Fight me. But they're running through it and then they make it like the shot looks like they're platforming basically mm-hmm. through a Mario level and they're do and and it's set to to no sleep till Brooklyn. And it's it's pretty great. I actually really like that. But yeah, my my favorite takeaway and Jess wrote about this uh, for Inverse is that the movie, the lore implies that Mario and Luigi most likely witnessed 9-11. Yes, I did see this article come up this morning. It's completely unhinged. <laughs> It was great. We saw it together and we just had, we were talking about it after the movie. Oh man, it was a very uh, good movie to go watch with other people. I think I should have had alcoholic beverages before I saw Mm -hmm. the movie. But yeah, uh, I don't think you're missing anything. I will say I do think Chris Pratt is the worst part still. Yeah. It's like Jack Black is top tier. He's eating. Incredible. Perfect. Stunning. We love him. Then it's like Anya Taylor-Joy and Charlie Day, who are like, they're good. They're not anything special, but they're not bad. And then it's Chris Pratt, and I do think he's bad. Yeah. Do they make any joke about why he sounds stupid, or is it just that was just a choice that he made? It's just... To not do much work. <laughs> his choice. It make It's all the worse, because literally one of the very first characters that the movie meets is a guy voiced by Charles Martinet. Mm-hmm. And so the like one of the first voices you meet you like hear in the movie is actual Mario. So it's just like right up front, it's punching you in the face, and it's like, yeah, you're not gonna hear the good Mario voice. You're you're with a stupid fucking guy. Yeah. Uh, but uh hey, it's once the, the movie reveal. not great. Yeah. Once the movie is like out, just like just go on YouTube and search for the Bowser song. Yeah. <laughs> That's all you need. Fantastic. Um, in other cute cartoon news. Uh, the release of Resident Evil 4 has gifted us with at least one good thing, which is uh, the Mousely meme that's going around Twitter right now. For anyone who hasn't seen, like, okay, so it, it started because the in the original Resident Evil 4, Ashley, who is a character that that game does very dirty, but she is like the president's daughter who you're escorting around the whole time. And if you're apparently the kind of creep who leaves Resident Evil 4 reviews on Steam, you constantly try to look up her skirt with the camera. But one of like the notable features of her character was she had like big ears sticking out the side of her head, uh, which was a very adorable. And they changed that for the remake. I guess they didn't want her to look as goofy or whatever uh, as part of their, you know, overall project to make that character not humiliating. But there was so somebody posted a comic on twitter i'm just gonna look up these people's names because it feels rude not to Mm -hmm. so the mousely thing pretty much started when uh, a twitter user by the name of solomon kai kali um probably pronouncing that wrong posted uh just a cartoon of big old ears ashley it's you know leon's did you hear that ashley and she says yes leon has these big honking ears (laughs) and then very quickly another twitter user a grimora which I could also be pronouncing very wrong, said that they came up with this idea that we're thinking about, you know, Ashley's big ears and made it made them think of her as a mouse. And so I posted this very cute little comic of Ashley as a mouse. And it just like 
really caught on like extremely fast and everyone just started posting very cute mousely comics which has become like its own little character with its weird little sub fandom so that's i really didn't have anything to say about this it turns out but that's just a my really favorite thing that happened this week my favorite one is uh one you sent me i can't find it offhand at the moment but someone drew ashley and she's holding a mousely plushie yes it's so cute. And I'm looking for I, that one right now. I know this is not Capcom like approved, but I desperately want a mousely plushie. Oh my God, it would be so cute. Yes. It would be great. I also, I like the concept of mousely because it's a, uh, it's great representation for cute girls with big ears. Hell yeah. I feel seen with my big ears. <laughs> big old Dumbo ear girls need representation too. <laughs> oh man. Uh, yeah, so it, it's just been a fun Twitter trend for the last week of folks posting all this very cool fan art. Um, I'm going to mention some of the pieces that we'll post just because they're fun and they're our favorites. Uh, but there's one by uh, Meowniz, Twitter user Meowniz, with the caption, uh, Ashley and her plush, which is a very cute one. It's like human Ashley holding a mousely plush and then putting on uh, like mousier headband, which is also adorable, which... You know, mousely plush or mouse headband would both be things I would be happy Curious. to own in my own life. And then my other favorite one is by Katokun Art, uh, which is just a very like cute digital painting of mousely. It's it's one of the more like there's a lot of a lot of these are like very scrappy like MS Paint looking drawings because it's just like a fun quick meme. And then there are people yeah. like Katakun and Mianis who like drew legitimately very good. <laughs> like the Katakun one is great. It looks like she should be in like the Rescuers. Yes. Oh my gosh. Totally. She would fit right in. <laughs> um, I guess also in adorable rodent news, there was a day this week that was World Rat Day, which was very exciting for me. Thanks to uh, one Willarrow for pointing out to me this most beautiful of all holidays. Your favorite um, holiday going forward. My favorite holiday now. It's uh, Mar- yeah, April 4th. Uh, I don't know what month it is anymore. That's a good sign. Uh, but <laughs> it, that was a fun day of lots of people posting pictures of their pet mouses or pet rats. It was Jesus great Christ, because I... It was really great because I found out in the middle of the day and then I immediately messaged you that it was rat day because I was like, Robin needs to know. And then in the next like two minutes, you had suddenly like liked like a 50 rats on Twitter. Well, I literally I like went on Twitter when you said that and just searched World Rat Day and I looked up and like 35 <laughs> minutes had passed. I <laughs> Just you com- went too deep in the rats. I completely blacked out. I went too far down the rat hole and just could not could not maintain function. I liked it because um, I found out because uh, National Geographic on their Instagram, they just posted a bunch of like really nice photos of a bunch of rats around the world, <laughs> including like New York rats. So it was it was adorable. I liked it very much. That was I feel like just people posting their pets. I feel like we should also shout out your favorite rat, Freya from Final Fantasy Nine. Yeah, she's Just a good cause. rat. Freya from Final Fantasy Nine. She's a hero. Uh, I wrote a very emotionally raw article about her once. Uh, I think about her all the time. My other favorite rat, Trixie Glimmer Smith. Uh, oh, she yeah. is, also makes me feel emotional. She is you. She is so you. She's me. She's a disaster trans woman. Yeah, that's what I learned on on World Rat Day. Actually, is that apparently a lot of 
trans girls really love rats too. Because <laughs> every time I would click on someone's profile who posted it, it was like a hot trans woman. And I was like, great. Hell yeah. What a good holiday. Good. Go us. That's deranged uh, Twitter corner for this week. Mm-hmm. Although something else that, that I saw mostly from, uh, that we both saw mostly from being on Twitter that made us significantly uh, less giggly and happy was uh, it was a, unfortunately the world decided to celebrate April Fool's Day again this year. Uh, the worst a, a day in gaming. upon the internet. One of, I think, our least favorite traditions, and I would say probably a very maligned and hated tradition of a lot of people in the gaming space is developers posting joke dating sims mm-hmm. um, or like visual novels in general. There is this very persistent thing that happens every fucking year where developers will post something where it's like haha we're making a dating sim of our characters isn't that funny that we would you know lower ourselves to making uh such a gross kind of game for women and queers uh is basically the subtext of it it's annoying and it sucks every year yeah i mean it's it's one of those things where it's like especially like for us where it's like we obviously love visual novels Mm -hmm. and we're always like talking them up or games that everybody else is like that's totally a visual novel like citizen sleeper (laughs) where we're like well no first off it's an rpg actually but still has a perception as a visual novel and it's like it isn't it isn't a bad word they're so good yeah but it does have this perception of being you know for the queers and then the girls and yeah which is good that's a good thing we deserve (laughs) we deserve good games too but it's just i don't know it seems so strange to me that like Especially in some like the games industry where it is so, I don't know, there is this pressure to like make nice with everybody and like not rock the boat, uh, which is like a not a good thing. Like I think that's a, that has very harmful effects on the industry and especially on the games media that even in a, in a landscape like that, people are still like, yeah, but fuck this, this one genre that like people are really putting their hearts into. And it's, I don't know, it seems especially cruel because... visual novels are like the the main appeal of most of them is like the writing and there is a lot of like there's just a lot of emotion that that comes out of them and people really kind of lay themselves bare like one of the things that i saw about it was the the twitter account for validate uh which is a dating sim they tweeted about it and they were like breaking the fourth wall to say all these dating sim april fools jokes are not funny you guys are boring and extremely unoriginal yeah dating sims are real games not a gag to bait your audience right I I can't for the life of me remember who tweeted this or what it was or like who said it, but it was um it was this great comment by somebody who was basically like, I think the core issue is that the reason these April Fool's jokes happen is because deep down people actually really want this stuff because they're like cool and interesting, but it's still seen as like kind of like taboo or uncool to like visual novels and dating sims. So they make jokes about it that get a lot of engagement, but then they just don't commit. It's interesting because something that I think about is um, there was the Overwatch dating sim, Mm -hmm. which was Loverwatch, which they actually ended up making, Mm -hmm. sort of. And the team has like, they did interviews with developers and the developers are like, no, we actually really want to like actually make this and commit to it because it's really cool and we like it. And I also think it's just like, it's an understanding, especially for a game like Overwatch, that the community desperately wants something like that, Mm -hmm. which is why, you know, so many people who are quote unquote fans of the series, like myself, don't actually play the game that much (laughs) anymore, but I just engage a lot with fanfic. Yeah. 
But that, I mean, that makes it all the more frustrating to me because you have developers on these teams who are like, no, we want to do this for real. And mm-hmm. Blizzard is like, you can do it, but only if you're making fun of the concept of dating sims while you do it. And it's like, why not? I don't know. It's frustrating to see that the the desire to do these things for real is actually there and the people making the games clearly have some appreciation for dating sims if they're going as far as to like make one, even if it is a joke. Like I found, like, to be honest, I found the Loverwatch thing really annoying because mm-hmm. most of it was just jokes about dating sims. And it was just yeah. like, you can just make this and make it serious. Like people don't enjoy this because of these corny jokes you're making. They enjoy it because they want this dating sim to exist. And it just... I don't know. It's so irritating to see like the only way that big developers like that are going to acknowledge that visual novels exist is by treating them as some kind of trash, you know, some sort of inferior form. Like the butt of a joke. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, I don't know. You could make a dating sim that's more interesting than Overwatch right now. Like I, it wouldn't be too hard. (laughs) And there are more interesting ones like for sure, there, there totally are. But I mean, like, there are developers who are working on Overwatch right now who are like, damn, I wish I could make this into a dating sim. And it would probably be more fun than than playing Overwatch 2 at this point. I'm feeling especially harsh about this because we just, we both did just play Life After Magic and it was something that, like, mm-hmm. really affected us in, like, a real way. And to see people, like, pour their hearts into this thing and do, like, incredible work and then to have, like, the industry at large treat that as 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 a joke. We kind of like said this jokingly earlier, but I do think it does come down to the to the fact that like a lot of visual novels are aimed at women or aimed at queer people. And that's just like not a a segment of the audience that a lot of the like the games industry is comfortable like dealing with or admitting that we exist at all, you know? Mm-hmm. It's it's really, really strange to me. I think it's also the fact that um even when they're queer and women developers in bigger spaces like bigger triple a spaces it's hard to tell those stories which is why it's so interesting when they do for example like apex obviously which has a lot of representation across the board whereas with visual novels and dating sims like not only are they like queer developers and stuff but they're like made for queer people they're queer stories like across the board which is just something that you know they don't tell queer stories a lot so it's it's nice to be able to have those spaces and it's like a lot of games that i think about as being super impactful for myself are these games that are smaller like Mm -hmm. i'm just like looking through my itch library and i'm just like there's butterfly soup and there's anything made by studio alon that i really enjoy there there's a series of itch games that i really really like made by this developer milky uh Mm -hmm. with two k's that are just like really cute adorable short dating sim visual novels but they're like they have a lot of interesting stories to tell and i just wish that we didn't treat them as jokes and we could just have people actually play them yeah like on a wider scale yeah, like to your, your point about it being a space for the for like queer stories to be told is like so true. Because I'm thinking back of like the visual novels I've liked the most, and they've all been queer stories. Like it is a space where that thrives, and it's I don't know, it's it's very frustrating. I think in addition to that, there is something about like the fact that there is a low barrier to entry makes people like them less because they're not big shiny million dollar like entertainment products. People who are dedicated to making those and to thinking that that's the only thing games can be, they see this and they look at it in the way that, you know, some like authors will look at fan fiction or something where they Mm -hmm. see it as this inferior art form. And whether in their heads that's because it's made by queer people or because it's like low budget, they might not be thinking that, but it very pretty clearly like plays into the perceptions of it, you know. 
so yeah, I don't know. It's it's just very frustrating. Like it's not going to harm the field of visual. No- it's like it's not going to hurt the existence of, of dating sims and visual novels to have these jokes keep going. Like people make these games because they want to make them and they have stories that they want to tell. And so the fact that they're not getting mainstream acceptance isn't going to change that because the people making them are doing them for their own sake. Like there's no one making visual novels because they think it's going to like, you know, be a big hit. But it's just like it's so it's punching down in such a, a ludicrous way where it's like it's it's punching down from the perspective of like success and reach and audience even though like visual novels have so much more to offer than many of the like games made by developers who are making jokes about them <laughs> so yeah it's, it's just extremely frustrating yeah i completely agree i think people should just check out our list of cool games there's a lot of fun stuff there that you could be playing oh yeah i got up i forgot to update that after uh, we'll put a bunch of visual bundle. novels on there we'll for people to play. Put a bunch of visual novels in there. I'm going to add a bunch of the tabletop games that I meant to and then forgot to last week. <laughs> but it's due for an update. I mean, speaking of uh, mid AAA games, <laughs> God of War Ragnarok sure is a game that exists. Yeah, it does keep existing. Um, yeah, I don't know. I didn't expect I would have to keep talking about this game in April of 2023. It really has been haunting you for months at this point. It's absurd. I'm, I really wish I could escape it. But um, they announced like a New Game Plus mode. And they had this whole list of like, oh, here's what's coming in New Game Plus. We have new armor and you know weapons or whatever. And there's going to be a level cap and new endgame enemies are going to be in there. And they're like, also... We got a black and white mode so you can play the game in black and white. And literally the press release for it on the PlayStation blog was like, it's going to be a, quote, more cinematic twist. (laughs) And as anybody who's ever looked at any of my articles or listened to any bit of this podcast can surely tell this made my blood boil. (laughs) So fucking much. The thing that's so funny to me about that is like, Sony is also a film distributor. You know what a movie is, Sony. And it's not this is I just it. wanted to I, I was like I was ripping my hair out. I was so annoyed. This isn't the first game that's done it. And like uh, I wrote yes. an article about this because I was like so frustrated. But obviously the comparison is uh Ghost of Tsushima, which was like the developers openly were like, oh, it's because we love Kurosawa. We we wanted to make like a Kurosawa movie, but as a game, which yeah. there's a great Polygon piece about this, actually, um, and specifically about Ghost of Tsushima's black and white mode, which was called Kurosawa mode. Because and the like, most important thing about Kurosawa was that his movies that were it's in black, black and white. white. It's, it's actually... Um, what was the great Resident Evil 4 review yeah, that we... Yeah, I was going to say, it's another uh, Kazuma Hashimoto article who, again, yes. can, is like... Great. <laughs> like, Fantastic. Like writer. Is great. You know, hypothetically, <laughs> if you're going to have a game that does a black and white mode, like you can see where the Ghost of Tsushima people were coming from in a way, like with a lot of baggage taken away, you can take their, you, you understand their logical leap of being like, well, Kurosawa, like, well, we're that. So let's have a black and white mode. God of War isn't that at no. all. And like, what I, I'm not saying that only samurai movies can be black and white. Obviously, that's not true. Using black and white in cinema has been used for many other movies. I shout out the Johnny Mnemonic black and white release, which which fucks. rips. Yeah, it's it's so good. <laughs> but black and white is not 
shorthand for cinematic greatness. Yeah. It's it's a tool used by movies for certain reasons, which is why only certain movies do it well. And God of War Ragnarok is not a game that makes tonal sense for a black and white mode because God of War Ragnarok is a fucking mid MCU story. I'm sorry. I know people like this game by and large, but I hate it. I think it defeats a lot of the greatness of the reboot. We can argue back and forth. There's some good things about it. There's a lot not great about it. But like at its core, the 2018 reboot was like a much more reserved, like personal story that was really about Kratos and Atreus and just them, which is why some of what they did was was like purposeful because it felt like there were a lot of close personal shots of like you see these people and how their facial journeys react because they don't have the like emotional bandwidth to like express their feelings most of the time but it's also a game that clearly wanted to be seen as prestigious in the cinematic cinematic sense which is why they made it a one shot which is the big selling point is Mm -hmm. that it was like god of war 2018 is a single take you can play through the whole game and if you don't die it looks like a single shot And in 2018, I lost my mind because I was like, guys, we need to stop being 10 years behind pointless cinematic trends because the single shot or like long take or one take in film is a thing that people talk about a lot because it's hard to pull off like logistically and stylistically. So people do it because they want to seem cool. And like, it's an impressive thing. Like it is for some filmmakers, like the sort of like the stunt of it is, is part of it. Mm -hmm. And that's, I think that's a totally valid thing to do. And especially in like, you called out like children of men in your article, it's like, that does have a purpose. Like it, it, it it helps, but in a game, it's like less impressive because there's not a cameraman following people around. And it also generally doesn't mean anything. (laughs) This is my thing. And, And it's like the ones that I like off the top of my head, children of men is really good. Atonement actually has a really good one take mm. where they they're like on Dunkirk Beach in the story and they have this awesome one take where they follow like a character as he's going through these different areas of the beach and then at the very end of the shot he turns around and you get this massive panoramic view of everything very good and then there's also Russian Ark which is an actual mm. oh, true yeah, shot yeah. long take and that's awesome and that is one of those like stunt where it's like the the fact that this was able to be pulled off is like worth celebrating in itself yeah. But then, of course, in 2014, Birdman came out, which the big selling point of that movie is that it's like it looks like a one take. Uh-huh. And that's the same year development on God of War 2018 started development, which like coincidence? <laughs> I think not. Sorry, Corey Barlog. I cracked the code. Um <laughs> But it's just, it was clearly trying to be so cinematically like prestigious, which is, it worked. People loved God of War because it was prestigious, just like Last of Us had been, which funny enough, Last of Us was cribbing Children of Men in so many ways. And so God of War Ragnarok did the same trick where it was like, we're also going to be a one take where I was like, it's already tired, guys. I don't care. In a game that's already trying to do so much cinematic visual language for no real purpose adding a black and white mode is just so it's even stupider what they really should have done was add a mode that makes it look like it was performed on like a greek amphitheater you know they should have had everybody people flying around on wires everybody's wearing togas it'd be as much as i'm constantly talking shit about games trying to be like other mediums if god of war made it like a greek play 
oh fuck 10 out of 10 i'd lose my shit i'm such a i'm such a oh i'm such a simp for theater shit let's yeah that'd be amazing but yeah (laughs) video games need to stop being movies triple a games are bad by and large you heard it here first the thesis statement of our podcast it really is (laughs) It's good for our 25th episode. We're really just like hitting, yeah. uh, you know, the, the, the basic. Yeah. Do you feel like you've exercised something now that you yelled about God of War for another There's another something episode? very cathartic about being to audibly yell about it as opposed to just write aggressively. Yeah. Right. You can only hit those keys so hard, you know, but you can really yeah. put your back into it when you're just mm-hmm. shouting into a microphone. I should get I should get a really clicky keyboard for when I'm angrily typing. Yeah, which is that'll most be your of the God time. of War keyboard. <laughs> your five out of ten keyboard. <laughs> oh man, I'm I am like Kratos when he's yelling about shit. Wow, I'm like, fuck this, Kratos. Anyways, <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you're rapidly disintegrating. Yeah. Uh, with that out of the way, now that you've you've gotten all your shouting out, uh, I believe. You have actually been playing a game that you enjoyed quite a bit more than God of War mm-hmm. Ragnarok this week. I actually did. When this comes out, Tron Identity will just have come out, which is developed by Bithel Games, and it is by Disney, and it's a game set in the Tron universe, which I know we've talked about like a lot. I don't know if we, it's come up on the podcast, but like... I love Tron. Mm-hmm. I'm a big Tron fan. So I was very like interested about this game. And um, the fact that it's it's like by Disney, obviously, but it's developed by Bithel Games. And like you would honestly think, you know, I, I know Tron is not a successful franchise for Disney, like not really. But you would still think that if they were adapting one of their franchises into a game, they would go the more like mainstream route mm-hmm. and try to make like they would go like a hogwarts legacy route you can picture the corny action version <laughs> yeah it'd be like a mid triple a game yeah and you can see all that you'd use like light cycles and blah 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 and you you throw your disc around and be not that great to to be it wouldn't feel that good but instead they chose this really great small developer who makes these really cerebral again almost visual novel Mm -hmm. or like text adventure like games with puzzle elements and they chose this developer and the game is very short it's a two and a half hour game and it is so good and it's so it like understands the core of the source material so well, like what makes the idea of the world of Tron interesting, this game gets and it executes. It's a story very separate from like the movies. I really like it. And I, I'm astounded and impressed that like they allowed this developer to just pull off this very, again, cerebral, like small game that just is incredibly philosophical um, it's really, really fun. By and large, the game is, uh, again, like a visual novel with some branching paths. It plays out kind of like a noir story. You are a detective, basically, sent in to solve a crime just in like one building. It's very small scale. And then interspersed between like the uh, the dialogue and the decisions is this game um, where it's centered around the identity disks, which you see in Tron Legacy. and 
It's almost like a card game and surrounding the rim of the disc are like a bunch of cards that have different numbers and essentially different suits. Like they're not club, spade, all that stuff, but they're just different suits. And you have you have to remove all the cards, but cards can only move directly next to each other one space or they can move three spaces and you have to push cards out. And you can only move a card to another card that has the same number mm. or the same suit. And it starts simple, but then over time they add like different rules and different like weird cards, like cards that move space every time you like make a turn. It's a really fun game, like little mechanic. And there's an endless mode actually, like separated from the story. You can just play this. It's really fun. Uh, I like it a lot, but... It's a really good game. And I think the core of it is that it just understands Tron. And it's weird to like say, but it does feel like it really is a game made for people who just like l- really like Tron. It's not meant to be massively appealing. Mm-hmm. And that's why it succeeds. Wow. So I would, I, I can't I believe mean, they made I a game highly, just for you. They really did. <laughs> and I'm loving it. But like, I, I would suggest people pick it up if they like Tron. And if you don't like Tron, Go watch Tron Legacy again, because it's great. Fix your heart. Yeah, fix your heart. Learn to love Tron. <laughs> Let Tron into your heart. Tron is love. Tron is life. What about you? What have you been up to? I will just shout out quickly. Um, this is the same developer that made a game called Subsurface Circular that I really love. And if you haven't played that, you should also play that, because it, it actually sounds kind of similar to Tron Identity in that it's like a detective story um, and kind of visual novel so I have not really been doing much of anything this week. I've been very depressed, so I've mostly been lying in bed and playing gotcha games, which is not something I can recommend in good conscience. So I think instead what I'm going to recommend is just if you are not already reading Blood Knife, which is a website that posts mainly uh, about sci-fi and horror movies it's a great site probably the most famous or you know the most well-known thing that's ever been published there maybe it, at least as far as i'm aware uh is an article called everyone is beautiful and no one is horny which seems to like make the rounds online every couple of months which is a great 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 piece about how uh like sexless modern blockbusters have become and the like more sinister than you might expect things that that implies uh so i've been also just as i'm lying in bed uh reading a lot of that website because i um i'm on their patreon so i have like a steady drip of their their articles coming to me at all times uh and so i've just been kind of like working through their backlogs a lot as i lie in the dark which is also a good way to read the site i i highly recommend it so not too much this week but uh if you're not if you're not already following them you should probably do that because they're great that's, that's, yeah, you've that's shouted out um, the No One Is Horny article before. I'm but very yeah. concerned about how unhorny things are. It's such a world. Could you imagine <laughs> living in a world and not being horny all Man. the time? <laughs> I don't know if to. people know this, but we're pretty horny. <laughs> I think that's a... That is, you wear your id much more uh, open than <laughs> I do. Yeah. You you get away with it a lot because we both have access to the Twitter account, but it's anonymous who's posting. So sometimes <laughs> right. you'll post horny stuff. Yeah. And it just seems like it's me because I'm very actively horny on my main account. Right. So I feel like I'm getting um, abused a little bit. Yeah. If I, I feel like you're suggesting it's me. I just put it on the girl mode 
Twitter instead of on my own to yeah. maintain plausible deniability. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, I mean, I think that wraps up episode 25 for us here. I am honestly very like, I don't know. I have feelings that we got to episode 25. It does feel like a, like a mm-hmm. milestone to me. It's, it's impressive. I love it. Yeah. I wasn't, I get about emotional mainly, every once in a while. Yeah. I, I wasn't really thinking about it because mainly the ones that I notice are the ones that are multiples of four because mm-hmm. those are easy to map on the how many months we've been doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's when I always notice it, where I'm like, oh, episode 20, we've been doing this for five months. That's wild. So we had to just pass six months. We just, just if this oh, is episode 25, gosh. that's bonkers. That's amazing. Here's to I maybe can... at least six more months. Yeah. We'll see how we, we'll see how we do. <laughs> We're going to extend our contract for six more months. We're doing this like the games industry. Every six months, we have to decide if we're going to keep doing it or not with no notice. And if we don't, one of us has to move to a different city. Uh, and with that, um, you can listen to Girl Mode everywhere you listen to podcasts. You can find us on social, on Twitter at Girl Mode underscore pod, at co-host at Girl Mode dash pod. Are we anywhere else now? Are we're we on, on Tumblr yet? Oh, I think I did start as a Tumblr, but I haven't posted yet. Okay. Tumblr, TBD. TBD. Um, You can find me on Twitter and co-host at The Willow. And you can find me on Twitter and co-host at Robin Bombas. And uh, yeah, that's it. Bye. See you next time. (laughs) See you next time. Maybe maybe in the next 25 episodes, we'll figure out how to sign off. I was going to say, that's the present we get ourselves for episode 50 this week. (laughs) The way to end a podcast. (laughs) Until then. Goodbye. My date with the president's daughter. Do you know that song? No. You don't know it from the hit movie, My Date with the President's Daughter? (laughs) No, what is that? It's a movie. It's called My Date with the President's Daughter. Pretty sure Hmm. it's a Disney movie. My Date with... The 1998 movie. Yeah. Never heard of that in my life. Who's in it? Look it up. Um, Will Friedle, Elizabeth Harnoy... Dabney Coleman. Yeah, there you go. All stars. Star-studded cast. Check it out. <laughs> okay, this better be the tag. <laughs> <laughs> as soon as you started singing, I knew it was going to be. Okay, anyways. Um, okay, anyways. Back to serious business.